welcome to this issue 36 of DC Primetime, coming to you from a hotel room in Charleston, South Carolina. Uh, at least I am. Rob's still at home. I, I'm coming to you from my pajamas. <laughs> uh, from the Showcast Spotlight on the Next Level Podcast Network, I am Ben Beck. And from Capping Crew, Casting Pods from the Next Level Network, I am Rob Martin. And yes, I am in Charlotte, North Carolina as we speak. One of my uh, my two weekends away, but still committed to recording this podcast for uh, for you primers out there. And honestly, it's great. I don't really have to talk much about news this week, but you probably have to talk the most in news to talk about what's going on for you next weekend. Yeah, so. next. Yeah, I gotta. I so I to, get I get a break. <laughs> yeah, that's that's definitely true. Because uh, yeah, I gotta inform all of our listeners about everything that uh, I'm gonna be doing next weekend because it's. A lot more details from the last time we've uh, we recorded, and I'm getting a clearer picture as to my responsibilities next week, and it's a fucking lot. awesome. <laughs> it, it's very <laughs> awesome, but holy crap, that's a lot to deal with. But, uh, <laughs> it is. Uh, <laughs> you're, but, you're gonna do awesome though. So, and I'm and I'm up for the challenge. So. Actually, you and, know, why don't you just open with exactly what you've got? Because it's, I think it's pretty exciting and it's cool because. Uh, shortly after when shows are on break during like the holiday points, uh, we'll probably be using some of these as our episodes. Oh, we're definitely going to be using some of these as their episodes. We're going to, as our episodes, we're going to use the audio for, uh, episodes of DC primetime and, uh, on next level on uh, the showcast spotlight. We'll be focusing. We'll have the audio for that as well. And there'll be video too, but the audio for the sure is going to be up as episodes of DC primetime. But, uh, next week, I will be in Atlanta for Heroes and Villains Fan Fest, as we've talked about before. Uh, they're bringing me down to moderate some more panels. But unlike the past couple weeks we've been talking about this, I now know who I will be on stage with. Uh, and it's pretty awesome. My first time moderating a panel, I was on stage with one person, that person being Michael Rooker from The Walking Dead. This time around, I will be on stage with... um. Robbie Amell and why is his name blanking from me? Rick Costnett. Rick Costnett. That's it. <laughs> yeah, I I should know this. I better know it when I'm on stage. Uh, but yeah, I'll be doing a flash panel there with uh, Rick Costnett and uh, Robbie Amell, which is pretty cool. And then I will be doing another Arrow panel, which will be a number of people. Uh, Willa Holland, Katie Cassidy, Charlotte Ross, um... Paul Blackthorne and David Ramsey, who I'm very excited to talk to and meet because I hear he's an incredibly nice guy at these cons. So, uh, yeah, I'll have five people on stage with me, seven different stars throughout the day. And they told me there's a chance they might even be giving me more, too. And on top of that, you also have the cosplay contest that you're moderate or you're basically running kind of. I am hosting. I am hosting hosting it. I am hosting (laughs) the cosplay contest for the weekend, which is pretty that's pretty awesome. So they uh they told me that I could have a co-host. I don't know who it's going to be yet, but I did make a couple recommendations. One of them being Ming Chen from Comic Book Men, who we've become uh, pretty friend, pretty good friends with on the showcast, and also, of course, our other good friend from the showcast, who I name drop every week, uh, but Drew Powell from Gotham, Butch Gilzine. So maybe they can get one of the two of them to be my yeah. co-host. I think that would be pretty solid. I think that would be a lot of fun. I think Ming would be, I think, probably the best of that because uh, he seems like he always is really just he just adores 
this culture so much. So, oh yeah, and he moderates panels and everything himself too. So I think he'd be a great choice to help me out on stage. And uh, so yeah, I'm looking forward to that. But as far as next week goes, uh, as far as coverage goes, I'm going to post something on the Facebook page over the course of this week. Uh, that's basically a summary of where you can find all the coverage. Uh, I'll post my Twitter. It'll have my Twitter, my Instagram, of course, the Facebook page, uh, Facebook lot, cause I'm going to be doing some Facebook live throughout it. And, you know, obviously posted pictures on Instagram, posting pictures on Facebook and Twitter. And, uh, I'm going to be pretty much either on my phone, on a camera or on stage the entire weekend. And one of the other things I'm doing over the course of that weekend that I just recently decided I'm going to attempt it is I have a very, I have a small handheld digital camera and I'm going to attempt to document the entire weekend, like make it like a little handheld documentary. So from take off in Philly to Atlanta until I touch back down in Atlanta or in Philly, uh, I'm going to try my best to document everything, you know, the hotel, the wine mixer with Stephen Amell, uh, pretty much everything. So awesome. So that should be an interesting watch. And it might be about like, you know, 30 to 40 minutes with, uh, as, and hopefully maybe I can get some of the guests to be on it as well when I'm there. Very cool, man. I, I think you're going to have an amazing time. As far as recording next week, we still don't have anything <laughs> planned and plotted out quite yet. Uh, it's really, I think that might be an up in the air that may be a record on Monday night kind of thing based on what Ben's schedule is, but you know, right now the most important thing is for him to do just go do this and enjoy this and have a blast, and we'll get to this immediately after. So, yeah, I mean, worst case scenario, it'll be Monday night for Tuesday morning. So, like, I mean, it'll be a day late. It's we're still going to record, and we're not going to miss out on that. I love doing this, so no matter how great the weekend goes, I, I would never pass on doing this. Yeah, so I think you're looking at it this way too. Instead of us trying to figure out what to talk about on the off weeks, you'll now have some really awesome things to listen to. Um, that's just not us blabbering on. So, <laughs> yeah, very, very true. So, a day late for two potentially two really, really good podcasts. Yeah, so. absolutely. Uh, but let's get things started. Let's move into things. We only have four shows to talk about this week, as the Flash was a rerun this week. Because let's face it, who wants to? show a new show up against all the election coverage that was going on. Yeah. Because uh, Tuesday was election day, and whether you're happy with the results or sad of the results uh, is your personal opinion. We're not going to talk politics on this yes. podcast. I mean, even our pop figure vo- voted this year, so <laughs> our little Jay <laughs> Garrick right. voted. So. Uh, yep, I posted my picture of Jay Garrick had voted. Mm-hmm. Oh, and so. also, too, aside from the four shows, uh, I got a quick, tiny little review I can do of Batman, a Telltale Batman Episode 3. Uh, I did finally get through that this week, so I figure I'll get that out there real quick. Okay, cool. Uh, So let's go into the DC bullet points section of this, where we give each of the shows our one of our three-point ratings, starting with Sidekick Hero or Legend. Starting first with Gotham Season 3, Episode 8, Sidekick Hero or Villain. Legend, you mean. Or Legend, damn it. (laughs) You know, I've I've been... Legend. You've been been good for a while. I've been good for a while. I haven't done that in a while. Uh, but what would you give this one, Sidekick Hero or Legend? Uh, I'm going to go Hero. There was The main story, I think, was fantastic. The side story was really bad. <laughs> so, Or at least just really odd. I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm still kind of undecided on, on where my brain is taking the, rec- uh, the rec- uh, blah, 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 sorry, recringling 
part of the episode. <laughs> so yeah, that that was a little weird. Uh, but I'm on the I'm in the same boat. I think we're the same across the board this week. I think uh, yeah, we very much are. But I think yeah, I'm going hero with this one as well. Uh, next up, we have Supergirl season two, episode five, sidekick hero or legend. Um, this got really close to being a legend. Not quite there, but uh, so I would say a hero, but a very strong hero. Yep. Same exact for me, too. It's uh, I thought it was a great episode, but not as strong as some of the past ones we got. So uh, I was close to giving it a legend as well, but I gave it a hero at the same time. Uh, next up, we have Arrow Season 5, Episode 6, Sidekick, Hero, or Legend? Uh, hero, because I think this week was just a lot of setup for things to come. Uh, I don't think it did anything terrible, but I don't think it did anything to amaze. Uh, this episode had a true what-the-fuck moment, which we'll get to when we're talking about uh, the episode and we're breaking it down. But I'm a hero as well, although that end moment really almost gave me a almost made me give this one a legend i was close uh and last up we have legends of tomorrow season two episode five sidekick hero or legend legend absolutely this deserved a legend yep agree 100 percent. this show this show is blowing me away this season i am very impressed with how good it's been and we have some news about the show as well that we were i know you and i were both very excited about and you know, that we posted, it's already been posted on the Facebook page, so most of our listeners already know about it already. Um, but we're getting more episodes. I know. So good. I'm so happy. Yeah, I, I mean, I love, I mean, we can even talk about that really fast before we get into anything. Is just the idea that they were, I think they added, what, four additional episodes? Four to more it. episodes. Knocked it up to 17. 17 episodes because they realized, they said, hey, you know what? The buildup of what we're doing is going really, really well. But we want more time to have more fun. And they said, we can totally do this. And I'm like, that's fantastic. Do it up. Yeah. Like, and then, they, I, Okay. I was just going to say the next step is, I mean, full season. You're only five episodes short at this yeah. point. So one episode longer than last season and getting closer to a full. And I think we're going to see a full next season. That's what I point. hope. So that's what I, that's really what I hope. Um, but yeah, so let's get into the Secret Origins portion and start breaking down some of these episodes. Starting first, of course, with Gotham Season 3, Episode 8, titled Mad City Blood Rush. Captain Barnes begins to feel the effects of a recent incident and starts to go mad. Meanwhile, Enigma is out of his depth in his relationship with Isabella, and Carmine Falcone throws his son, Mario, and Leslie Tompkins an engagement party. Uh, first things first, I want to say I'm happy that we're, and this was a big complaint of yours last week, is we're we're sticking with the whole barn storyline, but it seems like they're getting away from the Mad Hatter portion of it. Uh, he's he's still prevalent in this story, obviously, because of it, I mean, this is the blood of his sister that's inside Barnes, so he does still have to be a part of it. But he's not overly a part of it now. It's not like an entire episode focused on Mad Hatter anymore. They're shifting the subject and they're shifting the focus to Barnes. Which uh, so they're kind of phasing out the Mad Hatter portion of it, which I I, I think worked well this week. I do too. I really do. Um, and I, I I'm still torn because I know our prediction for Barnes has been that he's going to become Grundy, but now I'm not so sure. I I still think because Grundy's a zombie, so unless this is something where Barnes is going to die and then become Grundy. 
I don't know. You know what? My my thought process on this, and this is probably a massive stretch because I was looking into this scene so heavily. I think I was overanalyzing the living hell out of it. But the fact that he kept in his brain kept saying guilty and the way it was saying he said guilty. Grundy is not that far of a stretch away from guilty. You and I are on the same wavelength because that's exactly what I was thinking when I was watching it. Yeah. So I'm I'm thinking that is what they're doing, but I don't know still. I I really don't. Um, But I got to say, though, um, a potential runner up for line of the week is the I am the law. And I'm like, oh, my God, flashbacks to Stallone to Judge Dredd right now. (laughs) Um, But definitely not not my my. my quote of the week or a line of the week this one. I don't even know if I have a quote of the week this week, so I'm, I, I might, do. I might put it, it on you this week. It's definitely from <laughs> Legends. It was just one of those moments that just made me smile. So, actually, I, yeah, you know, I think I have one from Legends too. It might end up being the same one, but <laughs> we'll uh, we'll see. We'll talk about that when we get to towards the end of everything. Um, I have to say, I kind of agree with you with the whole. Isabella storyline. Obviously, I mean, <clears throat> by the end of the episode, we're already out another Kringle Isabella, uh, as she's hit by a train. So we already know her storyline is going to be out, but I think they pretty much just brought her in to, to kind of be a wedge between Oswald and Nigma. And well, the question is too, because it's an off screen death, quote unquote. Did she really get hit? Did somebody get her out of the vehicle in time? All these things are now possible. Um, so it, it's yet you have quite no idea on all this, but Isabella fully decking out as Kringle this episode was like, wow. I mean, like, are they just not quite sure what to do? Like, they just took this to the largest, most absurd level they could. Um, but I, I really just don't know what I think about this at all. It's It just seems weirder than it needs to be. Yeah, and the whole thing with her dressing up as, you know, Miss Kringle to kind of help him get over his whole fear of her and the fact that he killed her, uh, that's pretty brazen. Especially considering the fact that you know for a fact this man murdered her and he spent time in Arkham, you know, for it. Like, that he's... A little, he's a little crazy. So to dress up as the woman that he killed, especially knowing that he's seeing visions of her, you're taking, man, you've got some stones to yeah, do that. Yeah, and then immediately, you know, when he's like trembling, grabbing his hand and putting it on your neck. Yeah, smart move. Yeah, real smart. Yeah, exactly. I mean, in my opinion, a train was the easy way for you to go yeah. this week. But I got to still say is that he gets past his little moment. He's like, should I leave the glasses on? Yeah, leave the glasses on. I'm like, wow, that just took it into a more fucked up kind of place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now you're going to like some weird sexual sexual fetishes. So. Um, yeah, so I don't know where this is going with this. I don't – obviously now with her out of the picture, if she is even out of the picture. Uh, Mike, I'm, I'm going to say right now she's not. I, I definitely don't think she is yet. You think she's coming back? I think she's not quite dead yet. Okay. Uh, and I, also, I'm, I'm kind of wondering now, too, if she is just a normal person. My guess is maybe she's not, and maybe it has something to do with the court. Because <laughs> think about it. We've got a clone of Bruce out there. Would it be too much of a stretch to think that they clone Kristen at some point? Uh, knowing her ties to Ed and the things he's doing? Because the court's kind of got their hands in everything. Because she is almost built to be an exact you know everything he wants 
like same kind of mind, the way she thinks, her attitude, and the fact that it looks like the love of his life. I mean, she seems so not real. Um, like I even said, you know, this seems like it was the perfect version of somebody that he created in his head. But what if it wasn't created in his head and it was created by the court? That's an interesting prospect. I didn't even think about the court being involved with this. Um, but I don't, I mean, it, it definitely has potential, but I don't know only because of the fact that this seems more centric to Oswald than it does to anyone else. But you're right. I mean, this could be a way that the owls are, you know, that the court is doing this to kind of purposely drive the wedge between those two because, you know, they're both in seats of power in Gotham right now. Yeah, and the court basically said, oh, we have plans for you, you know, as far as Oswald, or Oswald's concerned. Yeah. You know, we did already hear that and said, hey, we'll, we'll come to you when it's time. Um, so I'm very curious if maybe this is a tie to that and a build up to something for the second half of the season. But it's a big wait and see. Uh, other big thing I'm really happy to see this week, too, is uh, Gordon back as a cop. But I loved every time that Donald Logue was on screen and it was just, you know, Bullock just looking. It was like, it's great to have you back. And yeah. it kind of almost felt like him saying, it's great to have screen time again. <laughs> <laughs> I love, too, how, like, when, when Gordon first comes in, he's like, come on. He's like, if we threw you a party for every time you came back to GCPD, we'd never get any work done. <laughs> you know, which, you're right. I, I love seeing Donald Lug back on screen. Uh, I, I just love the interaction between Gordon and Harvey. And I'm I'm really happy that we're finally getting to see that again, too, with him coming back to the GCPD. So, I... Uh, I don't know how – I was very intrigued by the entire story with Barnes this week. Uh, I like – I've mentioned this before. One of the things I really enjoy about the show is the fact that it's able to switch focus uh, between characters without losing sight of any of the other stories that are going on. Uh, you know, we got our Erin Richards moment this week when she came into the engagement party. And so, you know, we still got her. It wasn't as strong of an era of a uh, barbecue moment, but we still got one. And I love that they make sure they slip her in every episode now. I think they listen to the podcast. So uh, <laughs> I, th- I hope so. I think that's why. Uh, but yeah, it's, I, I will say during the end scene too with, uh, with Barnes and the surgeon, that was a true, like, uh, when he literally smashes him through the wall. And then he falls. I was like, uh, okay, that's um, definitely some rage issues he's got going on. Yeah. Uh, and like I said, you know, obviously it seems like the only way that he's going to go down is to be killed. Um, but I love the fact that Barnes really knew what was happening. He was fighting, uh, fighting it as hard as he could. And it showed us a good couple character moments with him before he knew he was going to be taken over. Um, like, you know, he put his badge and his gun down because he knew he was going to turn himself in. We even hear him uh, make a call back to GCPD saying that the, you know, the murder of the John Doe that they're looking into is uh, on. He has on good authority is going to turn himself in. No need for backup or SWAT or anything like that. Um, so him saying, OK, he's going to do this. And then, you know, the surgeon that he does lock up earlier and actually refrains from killing shows up at the party after being acquitted. And he snaps. Yeah. Yes. He snaps with that beautiful, I am the law. I am the judge, jury, and executioner. And then he has a nice little Hulk out moment. So, but uh, yeah, the uh, whole slamming him through the wall of a building. Then the guy falling multiple <laughs> stories into a car and still being alive. <laughs> still being alive. To be I able was to look thinking... at Gordon being like, who did this to you? Barnes. I'm amazed that he yes. was even able to say anything 
that guy not have his uh, you know his internal organs kind of pureed at that point before hitting the vehicle that he smashed through that guy's got willpower to live man oh seriously it's like a cockroach <laughs> i swear to god i mean if that guy is still alive and ticking somehow in the hospital next episode man let him go back to doing his messed up stuff he's deserved it at this point yeah i mean <laughs> yeah exactly but you mentioned too how the you know the episode ends with gordon now knows that something is up with barnes uh, you know, because the the surgeon in his last dying moments tells Gordon if he even died. We still don't even know that he died. He was still alive at the end of the episode. Um, but, yeah, he tells Gordon, you know, when Gordon asks him, like you said, you know, who did this? He says Barnes. So Gordon's now on to it. He doesn't know exactly to the detail and all of the rage issues that he's having, but he knows that there's something going on with Barnes. So it'll be very curious uh, to see where they're going to go with that. And maybe Gordon's the one that's going to end up taking Barnes down somehow. Yeah, it's a big wait and see. I'm, I'm very curious to see how this is going to play out. I think that part of the episode was very intriguing. Had you kind of hooked, um, you know, the Mario stuff with Jim was kind of a eh, whatever. But um, I, I want to see that kind of culminate because I'd like to see Falcone get back into the mix a little bit more. It was nice to see him again this week. Uh, more than likely, I think that's who Barnes is going to go after next is Carmine. So, Do we think something's going to have to happen to Mario in order for Carmine to come back into the fray? Because um, otherwise, I, I, I don't know why he would have a reason to. He's retired. I think you're going to see Carmine maybe get back into the mix after Barnes attempts to kill him. Because, I mean, there was very clearly a setup for that moment in this episode. Um, and I think that's where you're going to see Barnes shift his focus. And I, I think maybe <clears throat> Mario could be a casualty in that. That's okay. very possible. But I, I think it would be a it would be sad to see Carmine completely out of the picture because he it was a, actually a really great part of season one. He had a small moment in season two, um, but I'd really love to see him back into the mix. Like it, I want to see them get a little bit more in some of the mob story stuff that has kind of slipped through the cracks this this season because it was something that made season one and season two so much fun. So I'd like to see that start kind of slipping back in into the this fold so yeah uh anything else this episode that we should bring up or focus on before we move on to the next one i uh, think we, i think, we I think that was pretty covered everything. yeah yeah i think we're good yeah uh taking a look at next week's episode i know we're going to it looks like uh there's going to be more of the Nigma penguin interaction because of Nigma not hearing back from Isabella. And we're finally going to get to see Bruce and Selena again. It seems like we've, it's been a couple episodes since we've seen them. Uh, but it looks like next week's episode is going to be very Bruce, Selena and Ivy centric. Okay. Well, yeah, I know Ivy, they kept saying in the beginning of, uh, the season before, you know, premiere that Ivy was going to have kind of a sisterly role to Bruce. So I have a feeling that's going to start, that setup is going to start. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It looks like from the it, from the looks of next week's episode, it looks like Bruce and Selena are actually going to know. Uh, they're actually going. It's going to be revealed who Ivy is to them. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see how that's handled, and hopefully, it's handled well. I think that's good. I think they need to shake things up a little bit. I mean, it's great to see good focus story, but uh, I think we need to. It's time for a little bit of a break between the Ed and Penguin love triangle because it feels like we have two love triangles happening right now between you know lee mario and jim and you know penguin isabella and ed so and Oswald. yeah yeah uh cool so let's move on to supergirl season two episode five titled crossfire uh supergirl faces a ruthless new gang that's been given alien technology by cadmus 
simple enough syn- uh, simple enough synopsis. Uh, I think <clears throat> there's about three or four different things that we got out of this episode. The first one that I want to talk about is something that we had talked about last week. We didn't know where it was going, uh, and now we're getting a little bit more of it. It, it looks like we're finally starting to see the first step of James becoming Guardian. And you know what? I'm actually more okay with it than I thought I was going to be after this episode. Um, I actually really liked it. I really liked his motivations, um, the way that, you know, McKay Brooks kind of handled it. Um, I think it worked. I actually did think it worked. Yeah. But speaking of work, it also seems like he's going to need a lot of it to become Guardian. He... He definitely has some fighting skills. I think he mentioned in the episode he is a black belt. I don't think he says in what. But, and, but I mean, you could see in some of the fight scenes with him and the gang that Kara was taking on, he kind of struggles a little bit. He, he's new to this. So he's going to need a little bit of work. I'm sure with Wynn's help, uh, you know, with Wynn having some resources from the DEO and being able to make him a uniform and everything, it's definitely going to help. But I'm, um, I'm a little bit more on board with it before than I was before too. I don't know if I like the idea of the color of the suit yet, uh, but I, I'm, I'm again. This is one of those things that we said back before that we the show has handled other things right, so we were going to give them the benefit of the doubt, and I'm glad we did because it looks like it's shaping up to work out. Yeah, and you know what? I'm wondering too if the, the suit that we've seen is kind of like a prototype of everything. Uh, while he's kind of a vigilante, and maybe when he is just really embracing being the full blown hero, we'll see the blue and gold. Yeah, so I, that's what I'm hoping as well too. Uh, and we have to pay our respects uh, to James's dad's camera. Yes, yeah, that was a that moment. I was just kind of like, oh, that's kind of sad actually, yeah. but. <laughs> Uh, but I got to say, though, it was great to see Wynn and James interacting uh, a lot again. I mean, I loved the fact that when James was like, I got I want to do this, but I need your help doing this. And Wynn was very like, you're going to get yourself killed doing this. You're an idiot. Why would you ever consider this? And I love that how that played out throughout the episode with the two of them uh, and, you know, their friendship. And it's, it's showing how tight that they are together. And it was nice to see that interaction again instead of just seeing Wynn as kind of the background comic relief, we're, we're seeing something a little bit more solid out of him. And I think it, this is going to do something great for Wynn's character and Olsen's character. So I think this could be something that's a very big positive. Yeah. I I, I will say there's one thing about this whole storyline that it doesn't bother me to the point where I'm going to stop watching the show. I'm far from that. But I feel like we're, this show... It had set itself apart from this before, but now it's starting to fall into it, excuse me, where we're starting to fall into this trope with this show that Arrow has fallen into, that Flash has fallen into. And again, it's not such a serious trope that it makes me dislike the shows any less. Uh, You know, Legends is in it, Arrow is in it, Flash is in it. We're starting to fall into this trope where the main character is the hero, but now all the side characters are becoming heroes as well. Uh, you know, Arrow, we, you know, we have Oliver as the main character, but now we've got Diggle's a hero, Thea's a hero, all these other people are, are heroes. Flash, we have, you know, Cisco is becoming a hero, uh, Wally's becoming a hero, all these side characters are becoming heroes as well, which I'm fine with. Supergirl was the one show where we had literally just Supergirl and Superman, but he was already part of that universe. 
But now uh, well, you got these... Martian Manhunter though in there too. So Martian Manhunter. But you know, now all these side characters are becoming heroes. You know, now James is becoming a hero. When's Win gonna become a hero, even if just for an episode? So again, it's not a such a serious trope where it bothers me to the point where I dislike the shows. I would like to see a show out of one of these days where if it's titled the person's name, they're pretty much I, I'm okay with a support team, but they don't have to be superheroes. If you kind of get where I'm coming from with that. Totally. I mean, I think you got that you got that answer actually out of win this week. Like when they're actually talking, you know, about this whole thing. He's like, we we are the brains, you know, that's how we we fight. And I yeah. think that proved really clearly that win is not going to be anybody that's going to be decking out in a costume. Um, I, I just don't see that happening um, because he, he made his stance very clear in this episode. He's like, this is what I do, and this is the part that I play. Um, and I mean, like, James, it made a little bit more sense because he's very much like, he's like, I've always been the sidekick. Superman nailed his Supergirl. He's like, I'm tired of it. And you can see he's very unhappy with his, his current role in Kako as well. So, I mean, I think it's cool to see them take him in a very new direction and something that's very different. And you know what? Like I said, I think it's going to work. But I think very clearly, though, we're, we're not going to see Alex or Wynn um, or, you know, Maggie go through any more of a transition. I think the characters that they are are the characters that they are. And I think that's the best way to handle it. Yeah. Yeah. I could, Yeah. I guess that's true. I mean, if Jimmy's the only one that's going to be doing it, then, yeah, it's we're still getting you still have the support team of Alex. And but I mean, at this point, Alex and Wynn are really the only two non hero people. But, and even Alex, to a degree, wears the kryptonite, kryptonite suit from time to time to give her additional strength. Actually, so I'm really wondering if she still has that now because they got rid of all their kryptonite. Oh, that's so. a good point. Yeah, that's a really good so. point. Oh, well, we have Maggie, who's not a hero, too, but she is a cop. So that kind of falls under that category. Uh, you know, Wynn is pretty much the only one who's not because we've got Monel, who's got, you know, his issues and uh, not issues, but, you know, his his powers, Martian Manhunter. Now we've got Magan. Uh, so, I mean, it's it's turning into a superhero team. And, again, I'm not disapproving of it. It's just – it's a trope that these shows tend to fall into. Oh, yeah. I mean, but you know what, though? Because because of it, this being DC or a DC universe, you know, like it, I'm okay with it because it means, holy crap, we're getting to see more of these characters in places I never thought we'd see. And they're handled with care. So, you know what? If they want to give us a lot of them but not kind of stuff it down our throats constantly because Flash is taking its time with all that stuff. Uh, Arrow took its time with all, all that. And, you know, and that's fine. It, it, it's working because it almost feels like every show is its own little version of the Justice League. So when they all team up, you're like, oh, my God, we have 30 superheroes all together. How awesome is this? And it, yeah. it, 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 it works. But, yeah, I do understand that exactly where you're coming from because, it, yeah, sometimes it can feel a little heavy. I mean, you know, we're not going to see every one of these characters interacting through the crossover because there's so many of them now. It's not even possible at this point. But at the same time, though, it's really cool to be like all these characters that most people don't know. The fact that there's really good interpretations of these characters on screen anywhere is is actually really amazing. Um, I mean, you know, we always joked years ago that would do we ever think we'd see a Doctor Strange movie? Yeah, and everybody's like, no, no way in hell. We have one now. Uh, and then you look at the D, like DC and like, you know, nobody ever expected that we would get a good live action Martian Manhunter on TV. I know they did it in Smallville and they 
to have that terrible, terrible attempt in the 90s. If you really want to punish yourself, you can go look for that online. It's there. Um, but, I mean, like, seeing, you know, some of these characters like Monel actually on TV is really kind of amazing. It's something very awesome to see. Yeah, and while you mention Monel or Mike this episode, uh, let's talk about that a little bit because I thought that was a lot of the great uh, levity and humor for this episode is that Mike starts working at CatCo. <laughs> um, oh, God, it was fantastic. The answering the phones or attempting to answer the phones, uh, you know, and everything that he did. I, I absolutely loved it. It was the whole learning to adapt to, you know, everything that's going on and try and fit in with everything. I thought it was some great humor. I thought everything uh, came through. It doesn't last very long because uh, obviously he can't cut it keeping a job at Catco. Uh But yeah, I, I loved it. I thought it was great. And him banging Miss Tessmacher was, was absolutely a great hysterical moment. Oh, I forgot about that until you oh, mentioned it. So good. It was so fun. <laughs> so damn funny. I thought um, even I thought part of even the funnier part was Kara realizing. Yes. You know, I mean, that's that's really honestly what the joke was, is her picking up the sounds of what was happening. She's like, oh, dear God, no. And then breaking in <laughs> during that moment was priceless. It was yeah. absolutely priceless. Yeah, I, I, I thought it was great. Uh, I, I like how they're using him. Um, he's obviously not the comic relief of the comic books. He is a very serious character, but I, I like how they're using him so far. I'm, I'm enjoying it. Indeed. Uh, some other thing, at least one other point that, well, I mean, we could talk a little bit about Kara, or not Kara, um, Alex. Uh, you know, I made the prediction a couple weeks ago that I thought Alex and Wayne were going to get together. Then the following week, you made the prediction about Alex and Maggie, and you are definitely right. Yeah, in this, um, in this one, and they're handling it with such care too. And I really appreciate how well they're handling it in the show. Uh, this episode, her attempting to kind of actually come out, which she does to Maggie without absolutely saying it, but Maggie obviously knows what she's trying to say. Um, but we see her really struggling with things this week uh, as she's trying to talk to Kara about it and. Very much when you see her kind of stammer uh, when she hangs out with Maggie in the beginning of of the episode. But um, I think Kyler Lee handled this really wonderfully. Like we saw her in a new light. We've never seen her in this show. Very vulnerable. um, And it worked. It's nice to see that character gaining some dimension. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, But outside of that, I think really the only other thing that we kind of need to talk about is the big reveal at the end. In that the doctor at Cadmus is a Luther. Yeah, it's Lex and Lena's mom. Yeah. Um, I think somebody already out, uh, got their, the name out there. I think it's Leslie Luther, I believe. I could be wrong about that. I'm trying to remember the article. Unfortunately, I don't think I have it up. Um, but uh, yeah, I, that was a great revelation. So it makes you really, really wonder because, you know, Lena didn't seem obviously very happy to see it. It, it makes us start wondering really now Lena's motivations. And I'm kind of hoping now that we're wrong and she actually is on the side of good. So I think it would be a great twist where there is this one good Luther out of a family of very uh, vicious (laughs) cutthroat uh, people that are there purely to cut the alien races down. So, yeah, because there definitely seems to be in that scene, at least there definitely seems to be some contention between Lena and her mother. So uh, she obviously knows who her mother is and knows what her mother is doing, but she doesn't seem happy about it. So I, yeah, I hope you're right, too. I hope that we're wrong. And she's actually good. She's a good Luther. It's feels weird just to say that. 
but uh, you know, the words good and Luther together, but it's, um, it's a wait and see that, that's a still big wait and see. I don't think you and me are sold in one direction or the other. I think we're still in the middle trying to figure out where that line is drawn. Um, but yeah, I, I honestly got to say though, too, she had a really great fun, like cute, quirky moment with wind this episode too, is they were the ones that kind of saved the day um, as they're underneath the table. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, trying to find a way to, to destroy the alien tech that the, just kind of like that very third rate villains are using through this episode. Um, but it was really kind of fun to see. And especially that moment when they did save the day and everybody's like, kind of like, cool, the threat's neutralized. And it's Lena and Wynn coming out from under the table. And it's just when like, we were not just doing what you guys think we were doing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was, it was a, it was a pretty great moment though. And I, I, I hope we get to see a little bit more of that from Katie McGrath. Cause we saw, we see her as this very cutthroat person, very, very smart. She's got a great technical mind. Um, but we got to see her kind of playfully fun in this episode for a scene or two, which was cool to see. Um, that's again, something I'm really happy to see in the show is we are seeing, like I said, as I just mentioned with Alex, we're seeing dimensions with these characters that we didn't see before. And some of the new characters, they're starting to, develop them in a really nice way. The one character I'm really kind of disappointed, though, is we're not seeing a lot of David Harewood, uh, and I really hope he gets back into the mix. Something that we both loved so much in season one was the family dynamic between Kara, Alex, and uh, John, and I hope that they get back to that soon. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that as too. I mean, we, we, we saw a little bit of it in the past couple weeks with everything with McGann and and such, so... I, I, they're definitely utilizing him, but you're right. As far as like the family dynamic, I don't think they're utilizing him as well as they could. So, uh, but anything else about Supergirl we should bring up before we move on to our next show? I think that pretty much covers most of everything. Yeah, I think, I think, I think we're, I think we're pretty good on that one. So, uh, okay. So as we mentioned earlier, there is no episode of The Flash this week. So we will move right on to Arrow. Season 5, Episode 6, titled So It Begins, Felicity and Curtis learn that Prometheus's victims have a mysterious link to Oliver's past that could upend his new team. Right off the bat, I have to say, I loved a lot of the revelations we got this week about Prometheus. Uh, you know, everything from he, I mean, he literally is, from everything that we learned, Prometheus is a shadow of Oliver's past, just in a physical form. Uh, he's targeting the targets that Oliver was supposed to go after before, or in, in a sense he is, in that ever, all his victims have been, their names have been anagrams of people that were on Oliver's original list, flashback all the way back to season one. Uh, and we also find out later on in the episode that all of his weapons are made of the arrows that Oliver used. Yeah, which I, which I, I yeah, I uh, love that. It was a, I, such a great twist. And that was, yeah, I was about to say, like, I think that was such a genius thing to do. I would have never thought of anything like that. So, you know, just analyzing the metal and finding out that they're all part of Oliver's past arrows, which means whoever this person is, is somebody who's been following Oliver for five years. Yeah, or honestly, maybe four, which goes back to, I think, our big theory. And the more and more that happened out of this episode, the more and more and more I'm believing that that theory is correct. Even with the way the episode ended? Yes. Okay. Very much so, because the the way this episode ended, let's just dive right into it. Yeah. They kind of set it up. It's Quentin. I really don't think it's Quentin. I don't think so either. But I will admit that that moment shocked me. 
Because I, I was like, because I, I remember when that was revealed, you know, when he wakes up and he has the cut on his arm, the same cut that's given to Prometheus. It's because it was one of those moments that when that cut happened, I was like, okay, we've got blood. We know we're going to find out who this person is. Felicity's going to do her thing. She's going to run DNA. We're going to know who this person is in an episode or two. And it's going to be great. And then at the end of the episode, we get that moment with Quentin waking up the cut on his arm. And I was, I'm like, holy shit. I'm like, that can't possibly be the way this is. Yeah, I mean, this feels like it's an ingenious setup for him to be the one to take the fall. Um, I mean, this very much feels like Prometheus is doing everything he can to dismantle Oliver as best as he can, which is taking his allies away from him. And I think Quentin's step one. Um, and while I'm not going to put this in the news because I don't have enough evidence right now from the news sources i read that this is true there's a lot of rumblings right now in episode 100 part of that crossover that a member of the arrow cast is going to die um i couldn't get enough stuff to substantiate that but if that is true all signs are pointing to quitting in my mind at this point if that is true if that is true because uh, that was a prediction we were making before when we found out last season that somebody was going to die. We thought it, there was a chance it could have been Quentin. Uh, I don't want to see that. I, I like Paul Blackthorne. I do not want to see his character killed off. But, you know, thinking more about it now, it's very – it would be very easy for whoever Prometheus is to have gone into Quentin's apartment while he's passed out because he is drunk and simply cut his arm knowing that he has the same cut. So it's a ruse to point to – like you said, it's a mislead. Yeah, it's like I said, I think it's a really it was a very smart red herring to throw in the mix. Uh, So I'm very curious to see how it's going to play out. But, yeah, it was a it was a nice. Wow. They're really thinking this through in a really great way. It was a great misdirect. um, And it makes you really wonder because he does have the reasoning to do everything he's doing. Both of his daughters were taken because of their involvement with the Green Arrow. Yeah, And we haven't seen a lot of Quentin in a positive light this season, so I'm very, very curious. Like, he now feels like a man that's got nothing. So it makes you really wonder. Uh, I'm very curious where it's going to go. But Blackthorn's handling things that has been given to him this season very well. So, Well, yeah, because I know um, I was going to have some fun with my panel with him next weekend, but I have to wait and see what's going to happen on this week's episode of Arrow first uh, before I dive right into, like, what the hell, man? What's going on? Why are you why are you killing everybody? So calling him out as as Prometheus, which, again, we don't think it is him. But I I would really hate if what you say is true and that he is there is a character that's going to die in the hundredth and it it does end up to be Quentin. I don't know how I would feel about that. One, because I like Paul Blackthorne's character. I like I like Quentin Lance. But you would pretty much be taking out a character while he's at the bottom. You know, it's not like he'd be going through some redemption and then die. But then again, that could happen, too. So it's very early on. We don't even know if it's a guarantee. So I don't even know why we're. Well, like I said, like I said, you've got a rough time with your panel because you're only going to have next week's revelations and you're one week away from the crossover. Yeah. So (laughs) and uh, if the news has anything to do with it, you're going to have a really hard time either talking to Paul Blackthorne or Katie Cassidy. I think that's it. Flash, it's kind of like, so we're with all the Flash members that have died so far. <laughs> <laughs> that's very, that's very, oh, yeah, I am, too, aren't I? <laughs> Damn it, I'm with all the dead people from Flash on my panel. Uh, you so, should just yeah. ask if they can bring Katie over there for a little while, and, uh, you know. <laughs> if anything ever, if anything happened to, to Paul Blackthorne's character before that panel, it'd be like, well, 
Uh, David Ramsey, I would watch your back. Because oh, he'd be man. the only one on the panel who's still alive. Well, no, Charlotte Ross is still alive. Felicity Charlotte Ross is still, still alive. alive, too. Yeah. Oh, and so is Willa Holland. What the hell are we talking about? Well, she I did forgot. die, so. Oh, yeah, she came back from the Lazarus pit. That's uh-huh. right. So. Um, hey, I know one other thing I really enjoyed seeing is we finally got Dolph Lundgren. Yeah, the show. playing Konstantin Kovar. So I, that it's nice to know we're going to see him uh, in the flashbacks throughout the season. I think he's a great villain choice. Um, yeah, great casting choice for that villain. Uh, I'm really still enjoying the flashbacks. I actually this season I don't have any gripes about it, even though it's very disconnected. Uh, we're seeing smaller and smaller ties back, which is working. And if this is going to link back into which I would assume it's going to with who Prometheus is. I think this is going to work because this seems like it's got heavy, heavy ties to that list um, from that we focused on in season one. And this is right before Oliver starts working towards that list. So this is his moments when he heads back to Lee and you to get rescued. Yeah. So this is going to be interesting. I think this is going to play out in a very interesting way. Yeah. And I do have to say, too, we started off this episode with taking a step back as far as the team goes. Last year, we saw a very cohesive team arrow. They were all working well together. This week, we, we took a step backwards a little bit, if not a couple steps back with, you know, pretty much Oliver not trusting Eleve- uh, Evelyn, Curtis, and Renee with, uh, and Rory with, you know, what is going on. But you know what? But this time around, I think it's for good reason. Uh, you know, this is something that's part of Oliver's past that he kind of feels he has to deal with himself. So I, I think for very good reason, the team, he he was right in not telling them what was going on. But again, if, in order to build that trust, it was something that needed to be done. Needed to no, be I said. absolutely agree. Uh, you know, I think and their mistrust made a lot of sense. I didn't have any any issue with that. It did feel like a step backwards, which I think is one of the reasons this episode didn't get a legend is I'm like, we've seen this a lot already and we're only a handful of episodes in for the season. But um, it all made sense in the reasons why they'd be questioning things. And, you know, everything tightens up by the end. But it's them dealing with the fact that they knew Ollie had a kill list. They're like, this guy was a serial killer, you know. Um, so uh, those trust issues, you know, trust issues are really they make a ton of sense for these guys to really worry about what they're doing and their involvement. So, yeah. Uh, but all in all, I think it was a pretty uh, it was a decent episode. I don't think there was anything that really with the exception of the Prometheus storyline, which I'm really enjoying the way they're building that up. Uh, you know, it was it was a decent episode. I don't know if there's anything else that I'm not bringing up that this should have been brought up. I think we covered everything. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree with you. I mean, I think, like I said, this week, a lot of the episodes were very not cookie cutter, but I mean, it was it's what you come to expect from a solid episode of the shows that doesn't do anything to make you really groan a lot or wow you a lot. They were all very competent episodes. I think Legends was the one that was just the best of the best of the crop this week. Yeah. Well, you know, on that note, let's get into that. Let's talk about Legends, uh, Season 2, Episode 5, titled Compromised. Uh, the Legends trace a time quake to the White House during Ronald Reagan's presidency and discover that Damian Dark is a senior advisor. Uh, so, diving into this episode, there are a lot of things that I really enjoyed about this. And one of the big realizations that I came to about this episode is I am really enjoying 
how the writers and this proves how smart the writers are for this show. We both gave this episode a legend this week. Uh, only one of the bunch this week to get a legend. I'm really enjoying how the writers are extremely smart in taking the events that happened with Damien Dark and incorporating them into this storyline. You know, the, uh, or the, the storyline of Damien Dark from season four of Arrow. I have to distinguish that. Uh, you know, with the arc and the nuclear arsenal and everything. These are the beginning touches of that. Like, this is how all of his plans began. That we're seeing the Damien Dark of him, of the past that's coming up with all of these plans. So I'm enjoying how they're incorporating all of this into this season of the show with everything that we're seeing with Damien. Oh, yeah, I think it's great. And it's also his reasoning why he joins with Eobard, which was great. I think all of those moments, it makes so much sense why he is going to be a part of the Legion. And I think, yeah, you're right. It was very wise, very smart writing. There's one thing I got to dive into, though, because I've been geeking out all week wanting to talk about this since I saw this episode. <laughs> all right. And I got a question for you. What? Do OK, you, I, I already I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm I would say ninety nine point nine percent sure. But. What is your what is your thought is what was inside that box that Sarah took from Damien? Uh, I don't know. I, it's not the CD-ROM, obviously, because that was something different. But um, some kind of, no, I, I would say some kind of totem, but I don't think that's right either. Uh, I don't know. What what are your thoughts of it, on that? I am. I like I said, I'm almost 100 percent sure that what was inside that box, because if you think about it, it was a ring box. Who is Obsidian's father? But Alan Scott, I'm pretty damn sure that's Alan Scott's lantern ring inside that box. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Because when they did that moment, I'm like, oh, my God, I got chills. Even to saying it again, I was like, oh, my God, they're going to do it because they did say this is going to come up that Alan's or that Obsidian is definitely going to bring up his father. And I'm pretty sure that's going to happen next, this coming week. Um, and I'm pretty damn sure that Sarah nail has a lantern ring. I mean, you got to that... look at it too. It's not what you think of the traditional ring. This is the Alan Scott ring. I mean, they're kind of a little bit different. It's not, you know, quite the same as when you think of lantern core, but that's something to be very excited about. Well, very let's, excited let, about. Well, let's, let's keep talking about this a little bit in that, Obviously, one of the other things that we saw come out of this episode is that we were very excited last week when we saw Ray get the gun, uh, get the cold gun. But now we're not so sure if that's what's going to be the next step for Ray because he had to dismantle the gun to stop the bomb. He could probably very easily put the gun back together and fix it. Or do we think this was just another step in a different direction for Ray? And with that being said, if that is indeed a Legion, a, you know, a green, a lantern ring inside that box, could Ray potentially become a lantern? I, I think it's very possible. The only other thing that it might be as well is that could be a Legion flight, like flight ring. We know that that's going to come into play somewhere in one of these shows. So uh, my guess, again, it, it is the Legion flight ring, but I'm pretty damn sure that's Alan Scott's ring. Uh, I think it's a very big possibility. The only thing that kind of maybe disproves that theory a little bit at this point is the idea that we have seen a lot of promo shots right now for the crossover, and we are seeing many shots of Ray in the Adam suit. So I'm wondering what's going to go down still. I'm not quite sure, but I would love to see this. I would absolutely love to see this, but I love that already, even if he doesn't be the one to wield it, if that's what it is, the fact that there is potentially right now a lantern ring on the Wave Rider is just 
it just makes me just absolutely giddy. <laughs> I am so happy if that's where they go, and I'm pretty damn sure that's what they just did. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I would. I man. Now I'm just like racking my brain over the idea of Ray becoming a lantern. Like that would just be amazing. I mean, think uh, about it. He's out of the team. He's got willpower, man. He definitely has it. Yeah. So now I'm like, now I'm really hoping that's what's going to happen. And I'm, I'm hoping I'm not setting myself up for some disappointment <laughs> later on down the road. Cause you're right. I mean, we only have two weeks until these crossovers. And if a lot of the promo images that we're seeing are with Ray with the Adam suit again, we have two weeks to figure out how that's going to come into play and how that's going to happen. There's, I mean, if you think about this, the, the legends are going to be back in modern day again with Oliver and Flash in these things. So it would be very easy for Ray to get his hands on another suit from Palmer Tech. Uh, hopefully, or maybe it's something that could, he's just borrowing the past version of the suit. And by the end of the episode, he has to return it. Otherwise, he'll never become the Atom. Uh, so that's something that they could do. And then he's right back to not really having an identity again. And that's when the Legion ring comes in. So I don't know. It's going to be very interesting to see how it plays out. Yeah. I, I'm really excited to see where it's going to go. Um, the one thing I got to give, give the show credit for this week as well, Sarah really dealing with the issue of Damien dark and understanding. And it, there's a lot of the conversation we see in the beginning of the episode, with Jackson Stein talking with each other about, you know, the whole idea that Jax is like, we can start making small changes to make this a better world. And Stein very much understanding we can't do this. We absolutely can't do this just for the sheer reason that it could decimate the world. And he says, Jax, you're not thinking fourth dimensionally. And you get that moment from Jax is like, are you trying to duck around me? <laughs> yes. Yes. I love that. Um, uh, but Sarah is kind of. You know, as the captain is thinking about this, and she's still on a revenge quest right now to kill Damien. Um, but that really kind of stirred a lot in her, where that conversation made her have to deal with uh, the what could be the possible ramifications if she did kill Dark now. And we see her deal with that head-on at the end of the episode, when in a very moment very similar to Rip dealing with Vandal Savage last season, in that mid-season point where you see him kind of kill him, but not quite kill him. Uh, where he's just kind of like, look, I'm doing this for revenge. And Sarah gets her same moment um, with Damien. But instead of killing him, says, I know how you go down and what happens to you. And he has now all the knowledge. So not the smartest move, but at the same time, it was great to see her be like, I'm not going to be the one to take you down. But I'm I'm happy to know that I do get my vengeance. It may, may not be at my hands, but I do get it. And, you know, and, and on that note, too, that was something that I thought about at the same time when Sarah goes into that whole, you know, speech to Damien Dark and tells him about everything. Is that going to have repercussions? Because you've just now revealed to Damien Dark the entire his entire future. Um, he's not going to know when it happens, but now he knows it happens. So does that change anything? It's very possible it can. I mean, I think that's what's going to be fun about this season. Um, it's going to be them, I think, having to go back through some major moments because if you think about this is culminating potentially back in Star City in Season 4 of Arrow, um, a lot can happen. Yeah. So a uh, lot can happen out of that. But, uh, I mean, I got to say, it, I think we've seen this before. We saw this with Cisco when Reverse Flash came back last season when we kind of saw the origins of Reverse Flash, which Cisco almost wiped himself out of the timeline. 
So I'm very curious to see how this is going to play out. But this this could go into really cool places very quickly. Yeah. Do we think that uh, we do know that Katie Cassidy signed a new contract for this season? We know she's going to be coming back in some shape or form. Uh, and there's a lot of rumblings that it's going to be on Arrow as well as Flash. Do we think that there's possibly it could be because of the legends that Canary returns? I think that's very possible. So like something that they do in their travels prevents or even this whole thing about, you know, um, you know, with with Sarah giving this speech to Damien Dark could change things up to the point where Sarah wasn't killed by Damien any longer. So she's still alive. Uh, I think not Sarah, but uh, Laurel. Laurel. Sorry. (laughs) Um, I think that's a big possibility. I think we kept staring at this and thinking this is going to be because of Flashpoint. Definitely. And we're forgetting one of the shows is about time travel. Um, and yeah, I, I'm starting to think more and more and more. It's going to be the ramifications of the legends, not Flashpoint, that brings her back. Um, so yeah, I'm very curious. I mean, we'll get the, into that in the news because there's something that kind of surprised me um, that we got to see in images uh, this past week. So okay. very curious to see where it's going to go. Uh, I will say on other notes of this episode, I loved Lance Henriksen this this week. He was such a delight in this episode playing playing the older version of Obsidian. Uh, so I was very happy to see Obsidian come back. And I was really excited to see that there was a JSA training academy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I I mean, obviously we know that the JSA for some reason – well, we find out you know, that it was due to the mission that they never returned from that the JSA was kind of disbanded. And with the exception of Obsidian who stayed behind. But um, – I don't know where I was going with this. I lost my, tra- <laughs> I lost my train of thought. It's okay. Uh, it's early. Um, yeah, but Obsidian didn't go because the government felt that he couldn't be trusted on this mission. Right. Which also brought up another question. Do we think that – because I was always under the impression that they that Vixen left the timeline and they could always bring her back to where she left. But now it seems like things are a little different. Now it seems like if she were to go back – to the time that she left, history would be different because history is played out in a certain way now without her there. So it almost seems like she now is pretty much, she has to become a permanent part of the legends. I think so. I mean, I, I think there's a high chance of that, but at the same time, uh, we did find a little bit more out about, uh, Vixen actually had a relationship with, uh, our man. And yes. because <laughs> they didn't allow each other to kind of like on that team to fraternize at all. It's the, you know, they felt that, friendships could kind of impede them from doing the jobs they needed to do. They were both going to leave. So we now understand her reasonings why finding his killer is so important. Um, so I think that was a really nice tie to this. But, you know, uh, the the question of really right now is why Obsidian was not allowed to go. Uh, there's a high chance in my brain that's thinking that maybe they made Obsidian gay. Uh, and in the 40s, you know, that would be very questionable uh, about allowing him to be part of something like that. So you think that could be the reason why they did, the government didn't trust him to go on that mission? Uh, I think it's a possibility because Al, they did make Alan Scott gay. Um, and if they're not going to show us Alan Scott, maybe they're going to carry that I- idea over to, to Obsidian's character. Okay. That could be um, some, you know, some biased from the government because it makes sense based on the time, uh, time period. So that I think is a, has got a potential um, or they could be doing something because I think they did say it was in the fifties that they disappeared. So or even that or it had maybe something to do with um, 
you know, tensions in, you know, Russia. So, you know, they Wait, could have... ni- 1956 was the year they disappeared. Yeah. So, yeah, that that would that would match up with, you know, some Red Scare kind of stuff. So um, that could be an idea with that as well. So it, I think it could be one or the other. So I'm not quite sure, but I think we're going to get an answer to it this coming week. Okay. Uh, do we think that the disappearance of the JSA could come back into play a little bit later on and that they're not – they weren't killed in action. They just something happened to them and um, they either need to be rescued or they've become almost brainwashed. Most definitely. Okay. <laughs> I think they're coming back. I think we haven't seen the end of them at all. Uh, I think they're going to come back in a big bad way before the end of the season. Yeah. Uh, I love the fact that Nate is finally getting a handle on his powers. Mm-hmm. And I, I have to say, I think the special effects for Steel looked a little better this week. Yeah, I it, think they're getting it down. They're, they're they're getting that to work in action. It doesn't feel like uh, X-Men 2, X-Men 3, Colossus anymore. And it's yeah. starting to look like its own thing and it's working. Yes. Um, and I also really enjoyed – I know we talked about this a little bit last week. But I really enjoyed yet again this week the interaction between Mick and Ray. Uh, you know, especially the, you know, you just got to be cool. You know, with with Ray trying to learn how to use the gun, which I thought was good. And I love that. He's like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm being cool. Yeah. (laughs) A lot of great interaction between them. But I love actually I got to say their standout moment together is as they're walking through the White House and Ray sees Reagan's jelly jelly beans. beans. (laughs) And he's like, he's like, you you know, we don't follow the rules. And he's just like, yeah, we don't follow the rules. And he takes Reagan's jelly beans. (laughs) Yes. Uh, but I between that and then they had the other quick moment of them crossing the streams and that fight. And he's just like, why did you do that? He's like, we don't follow the rules. He's like, we follow that one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, their interactions together are fantastic. I love these two together because they're, they're such a yin and yang. They're so polar opposite of each other. But I love how much they care about each other. Yeah. And it's working in a great way. It's it's the dynamic that, you know, Cold and Heatwave had together, but in a drastically different way. Um and there's so much trust between them. I think it's great. But I do love watching Ray trying to uh, trying to become something that he's not. And the awkwardness of, of it all led to some of the best moments in this episode. Yeah. I'm going to make a prediction. And uh, we'll see how close it comes. Because I think, I think we're going to see... Um, God, I, I, Rip. I was going to call him Rory again. I know that's not, that's Doctor Who. Um, I think we're going to see Rip at the end of the crossover. I think, I think so too. I think he'll, he'll come into play. I, I think we're going to get this whole big, massive three episode crossover, four if you count the end of Supergirl. And when everything wraps up and everything goes back to the way, you know, we're going back to the normal storyline, I think the episode is going to end with the reveal of Rip. Yeah, I mean, one thing we did find out a little bit uh, in some some news, it's very, it was kind of sprinkled through a couple things, but we did find out in the least during the crossover that there's going to be major revela- revelations for The Flash and Legends of Tomorrow during the crossover, which makes a lot of sense because one of the small background stories we didn't see touched upon this week was that message from Barry from, you know, uh, 2056 to Rip. So now we're going to have Barry being there with Stein and Jax who now have this knowledge that something horrible is going to happen in the future. So maybe that's going to play out and we'll see movement of that during this crossover. 
Yeah, I think it's going to be one of those situations where, like I said, Rip has pretty much just been watching the team up leading up to this point to, you know, to make them more cohesive together, to make them a stronger team in that they can they can work together without him. But some kind of revelation that's going to happen during the four-part crossover is going to be so big that Rip's going to come out of the woodwork and say, you know what, you you need my help with this one. I trust you fully. You're a good team, but you're not good enough for this yet. And, yeah, and- he's going to come out. I think maybe he's also preparing for whatever that war is in 2056. He could, and that could be why he's gone as well. That could be why he's missing this whole time. He's not watching them. He's doing this, and his plans have come to fruition. And now he needs the team to help him, you know, back them. Yeah. So, but yeah, I think it was, I think sometime within the next two three weeks we're going to see Rip return. Mm-hmm. I do too. So, um, before we wrap things up, anything else about Legends? Um, well, I gotta say, uh, the line of the week came out of Legends. Um, that specifically was actually at the end. There was a couple of really great moments that I, you know, pretty much you can say anything that Rip and Mick did together, or not Rip, sorry, uh, Ray and Mick did together could have constituted a great one of those scenes. But the best came from, uh, you know, from Nate at the end with Sarah, who's like, should we hug? Yeah, we're gonna hug. And she's like, this one. I think there's going to be more than one. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that, that's a good one. I loved that moment, too. I even meant to bring that up, and I completely forgot about it. Uh, my line of the week also comes from Legends, and it's just because of the huge Back to the Future nut that I am. Uh, and it comes from Professor Stein saying to Jax, you're not thinking fourth dimensionally. And Jax saying, are you trying to Doc Brown me? Instead, who? Mm-hmm. So I thought that was a great interaction and great line as well. So that's my line of the week for, for this yeah. as well. Yeah. Uh, uh, so cool. So we got through all four shows this week, as we mentioned, a little bit shorter podcast this week because we're not no flash. Uh, so next week we'll go back right in, we'll go right back into all five. But next week on Legends, uh, we're getting we're getting to this we're getting to see the return of an old friend. Uh, in that we uh, Jonah Hex is coming back to Legends next week. Yeah, when, when they go back to the old west. So uh, looking forward to seeing Jonah again on this show. So, uh, so before we go into recommendations and news and such, uh, you got a chance to play episode, is it three or four? It's three, right? Episode three. Yep. Episode three of the Telltale Batman. So I'll give you a few minutes to, I haven't had a chance to play it, so no spoilers. I'll keep it light. Yep. Um, well, like I said, this is a nice kind of continuation of what we've seen as far as, uh, Bruce, Bruce kind of being implicated in his family's past transgressions and starting to see how that's going to impact him at Wayne, uh, Wayne Enterprises. So one of the big focal points that they give you at the very beginning of this is the idea that the board is trying to push Wayne out. So a very mild spoiler, but we see how that plays out through the entirety of the episode. Um, you know, last, you know, we did see a little bit more with uh, Lucius Fox coming back in the, the mix. We see the continu- continuation of the Children of Arkham storyline and how that plays out and what their big plan is indeed going to be. Um, not as much giant forward momentum, but we do get to see a lot of the fallout that happens with Harvey uh, in this episode and uh, a lot more with Selena and Bruce specifically. So a lot to like about this one. A lot of great things came out of this. I would say this episode definitely gets a legend. So... Um, this is one of those ones you really need to get down and play because this is kind of the middle chapter. So it seems the darkest out of all of them, but I think the most interesting they've done. But all of this is tying in really, really nicely what what with uh, what Telltale has done. We get to see a lot of uh, more kind of dialogue moments than we see action. We don't see any of those combat sequences, 
But we get one of those detective modes again in this where he, you're piecing together evidence, which I think this one was handled not as much uh, as interesting as when you were seeing it in the first episode so far. But very interesting. It played out well and a really, really interesting revelation on who the big bad is does show up in this episode. So, OK, uh, my two questions for you are one. How the first one is any new characters revealed this episode? Uh, that, no, okay. we, we I think we are locked to our cast at this point. Um, but like I said, we do find out who the big bad of the children of Markham is, and it's not anybody that you would expect. OK, uh, and it was a very awesome twist. And I'm really excited to see how that plays out. I'm going to try and play it this week because I do have a little bit of time um, uh, to, to be able to handle that. So I'm, I'm going to try and get it in this week. Uh, yeah. But that leads to my second question. How long of a play through do you think it's this is, I would say if the first episode was about two and a half hours, the, the second one came in maybe an hour, hour and change. Uh, I would say this is somewhere in between. I would say about an hour and a half, hour and 45, give or take. So. Okay. All right. That's good. Yeah, that's not that's not too bad. That's like uh, a movie, length of a movie. Yeah. Uh, so that's easily done. All right, cool. So let's get towards wrapping things up. But before we do that, we have to hit the news, the uh, DC Essentials portion of this podcast, which are news and recommendations. Uh, so, Rob, I'll turn it back over to you once again okay. uh, and tell us a little bit about some of the news that came into D.C. this week. Uh, nothing really massive. Um, the big one that we already brought up was uh, Legends of Tomorrow getting four additional episodes for this season. A lot of this for this week, I'm going to uh, honestly really recommend people just head over to fa- uh, Facebook.com slash DC Primetime. A lot of this stuff that we saw so far is a lot of images that we did get to see this week. Uh, there's some promos out there as well. But We'll just kind of kick down this. Unfortunately, it's not in any really you know particular order, but uh, we did see new images of Adrian uh, Chase suited up as Vigilante over an arrow. Again, that, that link's over there on our page for you to check out. Uh, we did find out, as far as Supergirl is concerned, that uh, the executive producer has debunked the theory that Tyler Hodgson's playing Cyborg Superman, which is leaning us more and more towards our Dean Kane theory, which I think is almost definite at this point. So. Yeah. I think you can definitely expect we'll see Dean Kane suited up as Cyborg Superman. But it's a shame Tyler Hodgson's not in the mix. They did say they are working on getting him back sometime this season. It's uh, Right now, it has to do with discussions between Warner Brothers and, uh, you know, the CW, seeing if they can make that work. So, uh, But they did say, don't, you know, don't be worried. I'm pretty sure you'll see him again before the season wraps. Um, if you jump and stay in the television universe, we got some more shots of the heroes assembled uh, for the upcoming DC TV crossover for Invasion. And in one of the first shots we did see on set is we see uh, Nate Haywood dressed as Citizen Steel. He's got his costume in full effect as he's standing next to uh, um, Vixen in the shot in Supergirl and Stephen Amell's Arrow. So uh, the costume looks fantastic, and I would definitely say... Be excited because I think we're going to get a lot of cool things out of this. Uh, also, right now, too, as far as TV is concerned, we did get our first clips of Justice League action uh, that is going to be coming to Cartoon Network later this year. Uh, very, very different tone to Justice League Unlimited. This is going to be more of a, I think, uh, kid friendly, I think more Batman Brave and the Bold-esque kind of show. Uh, but it, the show does look good, but I think it's not quite what we're looking for. Don't forget, we got Young Justice coming back for season three. So I think we're going to get a nice mix based on the stylizations that you may like for your characters. Um, this is going to be your more, uh, like I said, again, Brave and the Bold kind of cartoon where Young Justice is going to be more of your, you know, more Young Justice slash what the old uh, uh, Bruce Tim universe was like. 
So uh, as far as some other things over there, going talking a little bit more invasion, we got a great sh- couple you know shots from the Entertainment Weekly covers where we get to see a lot of the cast is kind of goofing off together. But in that, we also see a couple shots from the upcoming crossovers. One, uh, there's two specifically I wanted to focus on in this was there was a shot of Arrow and Flash held up against a building and what looked like a very mind-controlled uh, Spartan with his gun pointed, looking at ready to try to attempt to take them down. Yeah, I, so saw, what, I saw that too. I was curious about that image. Well, I, I think it's going to tie back into a lot of what Invasion was, where you know the aliens are actually mind-controlling some of the heroes to try to take each other out as well. It's not just a straight-up alien fight. So I think we're going to see a lot of heroes. Um, as well as the other shot that was kind of a holy crap, I didn't expect this so soon. Uh, but it is episode 100, so it makes a lot of sense for it to be there. Uh, but we do see Laurel Lance and Sarah Lance together in an image. And it looked like Laurel was putting on a gown, almost kind of a wedding dress kind of look. So who knows what the hell is going on there? <laughs> um, but in addition to that, though, too, the first kind of quick, like, 20-second promo for the crossovers there, which is Flash introducing Supergirl to Arrow and the Legends. So I would definitely say if you get a second, go over, check that out. Uh, as Ben mentioned as well, too, he is doing Heroes and Villains next week. Uh, he has a posting on our page as well, kind of giving you the full breakdown, again, of everybody he's getting a chance to talk to. Um, let's see. Oh, uh, the, one of the other ones, too, that was really great that kind of almost slipped under the radar because it happened during election night. There was a uh, little video from the costume designer from The Flash showing some back, uh, backstage stuff, uh, showing how she made some of the costumes. But the most notable was... In the background, when they're showing the Flash's suit, we see two other brand new suits in the background. One of them very much looking like Vibe's suit from the comics, and the other one being an alteration of the classic Killer Frost suit. Uh, and as the video wraps, they kind of go through quick shots, and you see some up-close shots of them really quick. It's a very fast video, so give it a shot to check it out. But I am very excited to see what they're doing. The, sh- the suits look great and a really wonderful nod to their original books. So, yeah. <clears throat> um, uh, on the uh, Go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. Continue. I was just going to say on the note of Heroes and Villains, you did say that I put a posting on Facebook with the breakdown of everybody I'm going to be speaking with. Uh, I want to I want to get our listeners involved in this, too. So if our listeners, if any of you guys out there have any questions for any of the people that I'm going to be on a panel with, uh, I do get the opportunity. We do go to audience questions quite a bit, uh, but I do get the opportunity to ask the ask the the guests questions myself. So if you have any questions that you would like to ask any of those actors or actresses about any of the shows or anything like that, please comment underneath that post, uh, and I'll post it again later. Uh, make those questions known, because I'm going to be taking them all with me to Atlanta, and who knows, I might get to a couple of them on stage, too. So uh, it's a great way for, for us to involve you guys in things like this. So we encourage you, if you have questions, uh, comment on the posts, message us, do whatever you can, get those questions to us, and I'll try my best to get them in. Uh, so there's not much left here to talk about real quick for Flash. It sounds like we'll definitely be seeing um, a lot more of Alchemy. Potentially, uh, we might be finding... They did say it sounds like we'll be finding out who Alchemy is at the mid-season finale. Um, but in addition to that, we do know in Episode 6 and 7, Savitar will make his self known in this universe. So we are not far away from that. So it sounds like this coming week's episode, expect a little of Alchemy and Savitar. So... Um, 
as far as the movie universe really quickly, uh, Suicide Squad's run is officially finished. And the movie came in worldwide at $745.5 million. And this is without China. Um, so that's a very impressive haul for this movie. It's great to see. You know, We know the extended edition is just right around the corner. Um, so we're, I think me and Ben are both looking forward to seeing the new cut of the film. But uh, I'm very happy to see that it did as well. Like you said, I think me and Ben both gave it a fairly positive reviews. It wasn't without its problems. But again, uh, it was a very enjoyable flick. Yeah. Uh, and the last thing I have is, uh, really quickly, Warner Brothers CEO kind of came out and said, you know, with Wonder Woman, he has just finished seeing one of the primary cuts before they do a little bit of cleanup. But they said he absolutely adored the film. Uh, and he said he could definitely see the massive difference with this film over the previous iterations with Jeff Johns aboard and how much love was handled with the character. So it sounds like. Jeff Johnson, John Berg actually did have a drastic hand in shaping Wonder Woman, um, more so than uh, we expected. But it sounds like there was a lot of theories in the background kind of agreeing that I guess that film did change up quite a bit since Jeff was involved. And apparently they kind of tightened up the ideas for that film drastically since his involvement. So uh, early buzz on this is pretty positive. So. So it's a, it's still a wait and see because again this is coming from you know the Warner Brothers in, inside so but uh, they said they are very confident in Jeff Johns' vision for everything going forward because it sounds like he is now the person leading the charge on everything so which is awesome to hear and that kind of wraps up the news for us this week cool uh, so before we get out of here with our cheap plugs and everything I just want to make every something known to everybody that I just realized right now. We are three weeks away from the mid-season finales of these shows. That's not a lot of time. These next couple weeks, we're going to see a lot. Yes. Um, these episodes are really going to pick up over these next couple weeks because you've got whatever these upcoming shows are this week, uh, you know, are going to be leading towards mid-season finale because the week after is the crossover. So you're probably not going to see a lot of focus on main storylines during the crossover. So anything that they need to get into the storyline, anything they need to get into the mix before the before the midseason finales, you're probably going to see come out this week. So between this week with new revelations coming out of these four shows, the following week the being the four part crossovers, and the week after being the midseason finales. These are going to be some big weeks coming up over these next three weeks. So be prepared. Uh, fair warning, they may be extended podcasts, depending on how much we have to talk about. But I don't think that's ever been a big complaint with any of our listeners. Nobody's ever complained about the length of the podcast. Yeah. So, uh, um, but I'm, I'm stoked, man, because yeah, there's going to be a lot coming. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and there's a couple things I did purposely keep out from uh, the news this week because there were some things that were, I, felt a little spoilery from some things coming up. So if there are some things that you guys know I missed, I did it for a good reason this week. Yeah. So. Uh, cool. Uh, so uh, recommendations, I guess. Yeah, recommendations this week. Mine's pretty simple. You've already mentioned it a couple times in that if you have not had the chance to read it yet, uh, it is out on newsstands now. Check out this ep- this uh, this week's issue of, uh, of uh, Entertainment Weekly with uh, Stephen Amell, Melissa Benoit, and Grant Gustin on the cover, and all of the articles about the uh, the crossover and the shows. It's really a good read. It's a lot of fun. And to anybody who's a fan of these people, it, it's great seeing them on the cover of a magazine. So, yeah, my recommendation this week is this week's Entertainment Weekly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for me, uh, mine is actually a little anthology book that just released. It's Superman, The Man of Steel, Volume 9. 
Uh, I would definitely recommend, as uh, comicbook.com even said as well, this is kind of one of those must-reads. It's a nice collection of books from uh, John Bryan, Mark Wolfman, and Jerry uh, Ordway um, and his era from Superman. But there's a lot of interesting stuff in there from Supergirl. Uh, very specifically, this is when we see Maggie Sawyer kind of come into the mix in Metropolis. And uh, even back from, I think this was around, like, uh, Rain's trying to think. I think it's like 88, 89. Um, you know, they pretty much had it locked in right off the bat that, uh, you know, the character was gay. So I think that it was this was it's a nice correlation. There's a lot of good correlation to this if you also enjoy the Supergirl show. Um, this is, well, you know, right off the bat, there will be a little bit of confusion because this is the Matrix Supergirl who is not a Kryptonian, They're a little bit different, but uh, there's some cool things in there, and we kind of see a little bit of Lana Lang stuff in the mix, which kind of plays up nicely with her current role now in the DC Universe as Superwoman. So, kind of cool. So, definitely a good read. Definitely check it out. And this is right before that time frame, right before uh, the death of Superman starts. So, it's uh, it's some good, fun Superman uh, you know, reads and uh, a lot of good Supergirl stuff in there. Awesome. Uh, so, cheap plugs as we head out of this podcast uh, as I've mentioned, this podcast, as well as a number of others, are part of the Next Level Podcast Network, nextlevelradioonline.com, as well as on Twitter, at NXT Level Radio. We encourage you, as always, to post and comment on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Time, And keep an eye out on the Facebook page for all of my personal information as far as Twitter and Instagram for all the coverage that I'm going to be putting out over my time at Heroes and Villains Atlanta uh, next week. Uh, but yeah, I think that's about it. And for me, you can always find me uh, also at Next Level Radio Online uh, through the Caffeine Crew uh, Cast of Pods podcast. I know right now on the page, it's only still episode 31. Uh, I know, Ben, I think you said the RSS feed's got a lot more episodes on there. Yes. So if you just do a search on Google Play or iTunes for Caffeine Crew. Uh, I don't know how many episodes you have up yet, but there'll be, uh, I know, one feed that basically is missing the most recent episodes, which is episode 30 and 31, and then the, the new feed from Ben from the Next Level feed so uh definitely check out 31 when you get a second we'll be recording our november episode probably in a week or two so yeah be uh just look forward to that and then uh special thanks always to george shaw and george shaw music for our intro and outro music which we're not quite sure yet if you will hear in this episode because we got to do something <laughs> since ben is on the room and is uh just running with different equipment so yeah but if not and- we'll at least hear it fixed later in the week and I will say, too, that I have off this coming Tuesday, so for sure, 100% guaranteed, it is my promise, everything of Caffeine Crew will be on both the RSS feed and the website for streaming. So everything will be up uh, this coming week. Cool. Well, I uh, think yeah. that does it about for us this week, doesn't it? Yeah, I think that does. Uh, I think that wraps everything up. Next week, uh, we're not too sure when the recording is going to happen. I would say most likely plan on Monday night and for posting on Tuesday morning. Uh, but you could get a surprise, and we could have it up, you know, Sunday night, depending on how schedules go. So just keep an eye out for the Facebook page. We'll keep you updated as to when the next F shoe is going to do uh, is going to hit the uh, the podcast stance. So uh, with that being said, thank you once again for listening. We uh, appreciate everything that you guys do and being a part of this. Uh, but until next week, we'll see you guys around the bend. Take care. Peace.